of some sort for me. Yet when I opened them, I found no such explanation of my premonition. My correspondence all reeked of prosperity. Yet this clear miscarriage of a presentiment did not dissipate my uneasiness. In that cool, fragrant house, there was something wrong. I am at pains to mention this, because, to the general view, it may explain that though I am, as a rule, so excellent a sleeper, that the extinction of my light on getting into bed is apparently contemporaneous with being called on the following morning. I slept very badly on my first night in the Villa Cascana. It may also explain the fact that when I did sleep, if it was indeed in sleep that I saw what I thought I saw, I dreamed in a very vivid and original manner. Original, that is to say, in the sense that something that as far as I knew had never previously entered into my consciousness, usurped it then. But since, in addition to this evil premonition, certain words and events occurring during the rest of the day might have suggested something of what I thought happened that night, it will be well to relate them. After lunch, then, I went round the house with Mrs. Stanley, and during our tour, she referred, it is true, to the unoccupied bedroom on the first floor, which opened out of the room where we had lunched. We left that unoccupied, she said, because Jim and I have a charming bedroom and dressing room, as you saw, in the wing, and if we used it ourselves, we should have to turn the dining room into a dressing room and have our meals downstairs. As it is, however, we have our little flat there. Arthur Inglis has his little flat in the other passage, and I remembered, aren't I extraordinary? that you once said that the higher up you were in a house, the better you were pleased. So I put you at the top of the house, instead of giving you that room. It is true that a doubt, vague as my uneasy premonition, crossed my mind at this. I did not see why Mrs. Stanley should have explained all this, if there had not been more to explain. I allow, therefore, that the thought that there was something to explain about the unoccupied bedroom was momentarily present to my mind. The second thing that may have borne on my dream was this. At dinner, the conversation turned for a moment on ghosts. Inglis, with the certainty of conviction, expressed his belief that anybody who could possibly believe in the existence of supernatural phenomena was unworthy of the name of an ass. The subject instantly dropped. As far as I can recollect, nothing else occurred or was said that could bear on what follows. We all went to bed rather early, and personally I yawned my way upstairs, feeling hideously sleepy. My room was rather hot, and I threw all the windows wide, and from without poured in the white light of the moon and the love song of many nightingales. I undressed quickly and got into bed, but though I had felt so sleepy before, I now felt extremely wide awake, but I was quite content to be awake. I did not toss or turn. I felt perfectly happy listening to the song and seeing the light. Then it is possible I may have gone to sleep, and what follows may have been a dream. I thought, anyhow, that after a time the nightingales ceased singing and the moon sank. I thought also that if, for some unexplained reason, I was going to lie awake all night, I might as well read, and I remembered that I had left a book in which I was interested in the dining room on the first floor. So I got out of bed, lit a candle, and went downstairs. I went into the room, saw on the side table the book I had come to look for. 
and then, simultaneously, saw that the door into the unoccupied bedroom was open. A curious grey light, not of dawn or of moonshine, came out of it, and I looked in. The bed stood just opposite the door, a big four-poster hung with tapestry at the head. Then I saw that the greyish light of the bedroom came from the bed, or rather from what was on the bed, for it was covered with great caterpillars, a foot or more in length, which crawled over it. They were faintly luminous, and it was the light from them that showed me the room. Instead of the sucker feet of ordinary caterpillars, they had rows of pincers like crabs, and they moved by grasping what they lay on with their pincers, and then sliding their bodies forward. In colour, these dreadful insects were yellowish-grey, and they were covered with irregular lumps and swellings. There must have been hundreds of them.